Thank you to this episode's sponsor, the one, the only, Tony Overbay, podcast host of The Virtual Couch, my dear friend and an incredible therapist. If you go to his website right now, you are going to see his brand new course, which I'm super excited about. It's called Magnetic Marriage. For the married couple who thought they were going to get there happily ever after, but then life happened. Take your marriage from mediocre to magnetic. Find all about it on his website, TonyOverbay.com. Welcome to I See You, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Welcome to the ICU podcast. This is episode 97, Powerful Interactions with Jody Orgel Brown. Hello, everybody. You don't know it, but today's a big day. It's my husband's birthday. That's right. He's 34. Happy birthday, Rob. We're going to go get ramen, Japanese authentic ramen. Have you guys had it? It is not the same as top ramen. Don't say that. Okay. It's not top ramen. This is legit authentic Asian ramen and it is delicious. I feel like he's a really good dad because he wants to take our kids. That's not usually what I want to do on my birthday. I usually want time without my kids, <laughs> if I'm being honest. He's a pretty good daddy, though, so good on you, Rob. We just had a fun weekend celebrating him. We went and saw such a good movie. Have you guys seen News of the World with Tom Hanks? I am just going to recommend that a hundred times. I loved it. It was so good. Me and Rob, we both cried. It was awesome. I had an f- interesting week this last week. I was actually given the opportunity to go to the governor's mansion of Utah. It was so cool. I didn't even know there was a governor's mansion. But I got to go and meet with Abby Cox, our first lady of Utah, and present to her the program that I am piloting at a few schools here in the district around me. It's a mental emotional wellness program for educators called ICU because I strongly believe Uh, I want to save kids, and I can't save kids until I help save the adults first that have the greatest influence in their life. So that was just an incredible experience, and it was so neat to meet with her and just the down-to-earth woman that she is and how badly she wants to serve was just breathtaking. I even got to leave a smoothie for our governor, Spencer Cox, in the fridge, so I hope he got it. I don't think he'll ever listen to this, but Spence, hope you liked it. I am so excited because Jody Brown is our guest today, and she is just a dear friend and an incredible positive influence for good in the world. She's impacted a lot of people. Some of our conversation was hard for me because I had to hear ways that she's been mistreated. While most people are kind, there have been times when people have been unkind to her because of her appearance. It taught me a lot, and it's just a really special conversation we have. Here we go. Jody Brown, my friend, welcome to the ICU podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be with you. So Jody, I first was introduced to you, actually, I think by the Sturry video, because I know Dan from Sturry and he mentioned, he said, if you're going to know what we're all about, go watch this video, which is called, is it You Are Beautiful? Yes. And I love that video of you. And then I got to hear you speak at a speaker showcase when I joined NSA and I was just blown away. You had me in like inspirational tears. I was a mess. Will you start by introducing yourself? Tell us a little bit about your story and your life. Thank you. I am 
really no different than anyone else. I feel like for the first several years of my life, I was trying to figure out who I was and what I wanted to be when I grew up. And sometimes I still feel like I'm still trying to do that. Along the way, I've been able to find some things that I love and that I'm passionate about. And I am married and have four children who are no longer little, but are wonderful young adults and adults and loving this phase of life. I am married to a man that I met when we lived in Israel doing a semester abroad in college. And I fell in love with this man and he has been absolutely the rock in my life since that point in time. Career-wise, it's been interesting because I've always known that I wanted to do something where I had the opportunity to help other people. That really hit home in my first real life job after college, when I got a high tech job, I was in marketing and I, you know, it was my first real opportunity. And 18 months in, I just had this epiphany of this is not what I want to do with my life. And it steered me back to remember what my goals had always been, which was to do something that helped people. And that steered me into the nonprofit industry. So for 20 plus years, I was doing nonprofit management. I was working in philanthropy, running charities and nonprofit organizations. But the tricky thing is about halfway through that time period, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor that wrapped around my brainstem. As you can imagine, that was a game changer and a life changer for me. At that point in time, the way I consider it is I, I went from being on the giving side of life to the receiving side of life. I went from the person uh, making the dinners and you know running the golf tournaments to the person who was on the flip side, who was in the hospital bed, who was having the surgeries, who was the one being visited. And that really changed my life and changed the course of what I ended up doing. And while I still do everything that I do under the umbrella of wanting to help others, it has changed a little bit of what that looks like. And now I do more speaking, writing. I have written four books. I speak regularly. I do videos all the time to share hope and inspiration and the importance of life and help people get through their difficulties. I want to talk specifically today about this word interaction. I've heard you talk about interaction in the past. Will you talk to me why that is an important subject for you? I think I've always known that how we treat each other in the moment is really who we are at the core. They always say, you know, someone's heart by when you see the queen treat the peasant just as well as she treats her fellow royalty. Well, I think the same is true in everyday life. How do we interact with and how do we treat the people around us? How do we treat the person who's bagging the groceries, not just the person who's you know, having driving the Mercedes down the street or whatever. And I learned that firsthand in a very intimate way when I had all my experiences and my life changed because not only did I have a series of brain surgeries, but the effect of that was that my face became paralyzed. I lost the hearing in my right ear. I lost the ability to to blink, to hold food in my mouth. I had a spinal fluid leak. I had all of these complications that changed not only my physical abilities, but also my physical appearance. It was a very both fast and long lesson to understand that people really do get judged by their cover. And that, that's been a, a tough thing to understand because I like to think that we as people know better than to judge a book by its cover and to judge a person, person by what they look like on the outside. But a few specific interactions really taught me that. 
when I was early on in my recovery, I went into a restaurant with one of my girlfriends and I was still trying to get a little bit of normalcy back in my life and also get a little bit of control. Like I was trying to do some things on my own, trying to tell myself that I, I was still a strong person. You can do this. You can get out there. You can be in the community. And my girlfriend and I went to lunch with our little kids and we were just having a good conversation and catching up, trying to be just girlfriends. And then a gentleman came up to me in the restaurant and he started walking by and then he looked at me and he kind of stopped and he stared at my face. And then he asked me, why are you wearing your Halloween costume so early in the year? I just froze. And my friend looked at me with a shock look on her face and with horror, she just said, did he really just say that? And he didn't go away. He just stood there and looked. Finally, I said to him, this is not my Halloween costume. This is the face I wore every day. And then I just turned my head and tried to continue my conversation with my friend. But boy, oh boy, that sure hit me and made me realize that people don't see everyone else in the same way and they don't value everyone in the same way. And certain things are valued more than others. And the face is one of those things that if you have a model-like face, you have certain advantages. You are treated in a certain way. Losing some of that and losing my ability to communicate via my expressions has been a really tough thing. And yet, in another instance, I had a completely different opposite experience, again, in one little interpersonal interaction. And yet I was in much worse physical condition because I was having a migraine and dizzy spells. I was in really, really bad shape. I was in a lot of pain and had gone to my pharmacy in order to refill a pain prescription. That's a hot topic in and of itself. And I will just say that it is a real issue. And for those who have legitimate need for it, these are needed life-saving medications. And I was there to get something that I needed at that point in time for a real and legitimate need. And when I got to the pharmacy, they let me know that because it was a controlled prescription, a controlled medication and substance, that um, there had been a miscommunication and they would not be able to fill my prescription. And I was in the middle of a massive migraine, tons of pain. And they looked at me and said, sorry, we can't do this. I just had a meltdown and started to cry. They could tell that I was in need. And I sat in a chair in the pharmacy and they quickly called my doctor and were trying and trying and trying to figure out what to do to make it right. But they had to get permission. They had to have the right code. They had to have the word of the doctor. I couldn't have been much worse. And a woman walked into the pharmacy and she saw me. I don't even know how she recognized me because I was kind of curled up in a ball in the corner. But she said, oh, are you Jody? And I kind of looked up and I said, yeah. And she got up and came over to me and almost pulled me to my feet and then threw her arms around me and gave me this loving and warm embrace and told me that she had seen me speak at a presentation and that she read my book and how inspired she'd been. And then she kind of looked around and said, are you okay? Kind of taking in the surroundings. And I told her what was going on. And she just there wasn't anything she could do. So she just kind of wrapped her arms around me again and told me that I made a difference to her and that I changed her life and that, it, that she just knew it was going to be okay. And then she thanked me for everything that I had done. 
And it was only a few moments later that indeed the pharmacy got word from the doctor that my prescription could be fulfilled. And then I was able to get my prescription and go home and try to move on with things. The difference in those two interactions really hit me and helped me realize that every interaction is an opportunity to change a life. And we need to take advantage of those opportunities to be as influential and as helpful and as loving as possible. Amen, sister. <laughs> you on all of that. That's beautiful. No, oh, thank you. What I also really like is that she wasn't too shy to say anything to you, that she knew who you were. And she was just like, are you Jody? I love that, that she wasn't like, oh no, you're, you're an author. You're this person that I've seen up on a stage, but she knows that we're all equal human beings and that maybe you want to hear that you helped someone, right? And in that moment, I probably needed it more than normal, more than ever before. And the fact that she got over any fear or intimidation that she may have had and just done it, that really made the difference. And I think that's part of our responsibility is to put ourselves out there, to be willing to go into the area of discomfort in order to be able to do something that ultimately can have a wonderful and good impact on someone's life. Absolutely. I love that you also talk about knowing and seeing, because I also talk about seeing quite a bit. Yes. <laughs> probably sick of that, right? No, no, I love it. Yes. But of course, we have to geek out about that for a minute. So tell me, what's the difference between those in your, in your mind, knowing and seeing? To me, knowing means that you have already learned something. It's part of knowledge that you have, but you've learned it in the past and it's just kind of there. The woman at the pharmacy, she knew me. She knew who I was. She knew my story. And then she recognized me. So that knowledge was there before she saw me. And that was needed in order to be able to recognize me. Seeing is something that happens in the present, in the moment. And it means that you are acknowledging the person or situation as it is captured in that moment in time. And it, it requires kind of active participation and intention and purpose because you have to be paying attention to what is going on around you. And when I think of that situation in the pharmacy, I think, okay, she knew me and that's what allowed her to recognize me. But what is, it was when she stopped and looked around and said, oh, are you okay? That she really saw me in that moment and recognized something else was going on and she wanted to help me through that particular situation. So I think you can see someone even if you don't know them, because there's a lot of times we're not going to know a person's history or their past or their life story, but we can still see what's going on in a moment. And on the flip side, you can know someone without really seeing them. And that happens all the time in many interactions. It kind of has become the default in life where you know someone and then you just take for granted that you know that their life is good and hey, how are you? And you say those kinds of things without really investing and seeing what's happening in the moment. But when you put those two together, when you combine the know and the see of the present tense, then that's when I think power comes and lives are truly changed. Well, and good for you for being authentic, for not shying away from her because we know you weren't in your most polished state, right? Definitely you know, you're probably great writing in your book and you're speaking that you'd practice. Like that's one thing, but for you at your lowest, when you're at the pharmacy, having a migraine, probably not looking your best way to show up and just be like, this is what's happening. Well, and in many ways we 
don't want to be seen in those moments. Those are the kind of moments where we avoid eye contact and avoid someone's gaze so that we can try and get through those things without being seen. And the fact that she did know me and did recognize me forced my hand a little bit. However, of course, I had the choice of how to respond to that. And I could have, you know, been rude and just cut her off and, hey, this is, that's my private life and I don't want to talk about it. But I do try to understand and I do try to react, um, number one, to the fact that she was obviously paying me a compliment and it was something that meant something to her, but it also means something to me. It gives me purpose mm-hmm. to the fact that I'm going through all of this and to the fact that I was in a bad place, but that there still could be greater purpose to it in the long run. Is there a reminder? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I think you do a fabulous job at being present. I want to pay you that compliment because I'm thinking just even as we started this this Zoom call, we had to like cut off our conversation because immediately I could just have lunch with you all day, right? Like immediately you're like, <laughs> how are you? How's your sister? You want to know everything. You're with me, even though we're about to do this interview. I can see that your mind is with me and I'm the interviewer, right? But you're so good at it. I know you don't do it always because you're not perfect. No, I don't do it always. I wish I were fully present in every moment, but there are certainly times when I rush through a situation because I feel like I can't be invested in that moment when I'm in a big rush or I'm on a deadline or I'm running late or when I am really physically compromised. When I'm in a ton of pain, it, it can be really hard for me to invest in, in an interaction. But on the flip side, just like the lady at the pharmacy, sometimes those are the times when I actually need it the very most to take a moment to to really see what's going on around me and realize, okay, I'm not the only one who's having a hard time or I'm not the only one who's in a rush. And anytime we really invest in that moment and dig into being fully present, I think that it ends up being a positive thing, not only for ourselves, but for those around us too. And when I am fully present, I don't just see what's going on. Usually I, I anticipate a little bit. And this, this has become a little bit of a family joke <laughs> in my family because my husband says that I, I, I have a magic superpower. But it's really because I do try to, to see. And when I really am present and I'm seeing, then I also can anticipate a little bit and you can see what's coming before it comes. And so one time I was at an outdoor mall in Salt Lake City and I was watching these, all the families interact and move around. And I, my eyes locked on a little toddler because at the time I had little toddlers and I'm used to that. And I went into full on mother mode and I started watching this little toddler walk around and his parents were chatting with some friends and there's a big fountain in the middle of the plaza. And I watched as this toddler just got drawn by the magic of the water and started walking over toward the fountain. When he was five feet away from the fountain, I thought, he is going to fall into that fountain because he is so fascinated by this water. And sure enough, a few seconds later, this toddler went head face first directly into the water and was under the waterfall part of the fountain with his face directly under the water. Miraculously, because I had been watching and because I anticipated what was going to happen, soon as it happened, I was right there, grabbed him out of the water before his parents even knew that he was in the fountain. I had grabbed him out. I don't say that to tout my horn and say, oh, I'm, you know, some fabulous person, but it's 
it's about when you really are seeing and when you really are looking around you, you can anticipate and you can really have the opportunity to to help. And in, in that case, to rescue. My husband will tell you that similar situations have happened in our family dozens of times. I can't tell you how many times I have jumped into pools, jumped into lakes, done all sorts of things to grab children or people out just because I'm paying attention. I think we all have moments when we're the one doing the rescuing, but then there's other times where we're clueless because we're living in our own little world and there are things going on around us and we don't even see them happening. Not that we're ignoring, but we actually don't even register them in our minds because we're living in our own world. And so there really is a difference and it's whether or not we're present in that moment for the people that we're around. That is so symbolic and neat. I'm thinking of a story in my book that I wrote about. I was coming out of the dollar store and I had a stroller and my little girl was a newborn and my boy was two and he was holding on to the side of the stroller. Do you know what story I'm talking about? I think yes, ma'am. You know what I'm talking about. I accidentally let go of the stroller and it started rolling towards the road. I don't even know how I did it, right? Like it sounds stupid and it was stupid, but somehow that happened in a split second when I was holding a door or something and my toddler screamed and was clutching onto the stroller trying to keep it from going. His scream made me turn and and I grabbed everybody and we were okay, but it was terrifying. And I'm just thinking about your story with the little boy in the fountain, how even if Let's say you were that day you saw the toddler, but you were recovering from surgery and you were in a wheelchair and you Mm -hmm. could not physically get to it. You still could have played a role, right? You still could have been a hero in that story by screaming and getting that parent's attention. And alerting someone else. And that's part of it. That is absolutely part of it is there are going to be different times when we play different roles. And I remember when uh, my children were young and my parents lived far away. And the only time that they would get to see their grandkids is if I got on a plane with four little kids and flew for hours and hours. So many times other people came to my rescue and scooped in and said, hey, can I help? You know, can I take your little one for a walk up and down the aisle? Or can I hold your baby so you can run to the bathroom? And I desperately needed that help. Instead of the glaring annoyance of, oh, I'm sitting by the woman with four children. I I mean, it's hard enough when you get on the plane and you realize, oh, I'm sitting next to the crying baby. But no, not just the crying baby, the crying baby and the toddler and the five-year-old and the seven-year-old. To have someone who really took that as an opportunity, I can't even tell you how much difference that made to me. And then the fact that when I got off the plane... He didn't think, whew, I'm loose. I can finally let go. He actually said, here, let me help you carry your luggage and get to your family. Wow. You know, six hours on a plane with someone and then still staying around to help them after you disembark. That really hit me. And and that's part of why I look. That's part of why I try to look and see and anticipate is because I've been the one on the flip side. When... I needed the help and I was embarrassed and I was overwhelmed. Now it makes me more want to make sure I can be the one helping when I'm in the position to do so. Even if I can't be the one to step in and rescue, I want to be some part of doing good and helping the situation. And you do that by seeing, right? By not just making assumptions of what you know, but by being in the present moment. So that if a stroller or a kid is going towards danger, you can either be the one to grab them or you can even just be an alarm to get other people's attention who can. Absolutely. Be the one to do the alerting. 
we just have to be in a different role at different times in our lives because certainly when I had four children with me at all times and I was in the, on an airplane, I couldn't be the one to step in and come help and save someone else because I was in it up to my head to begin with. And so we do have times where we have to step back and take different roles. That's hard for us to do sometimes, but certainly we all have turns to yep. play these different parts. Giving and receiving, right? Yes. We have to learn to do both. Absolutely. Just as a final question, if you were to go back to you, when you find out that news about the tumor on your brainstem and those weeks to follow, if you could go back, what would you tell yourself? And I'm asking you that because I know there's people that are listening that are struggling, probably not with that specific thing, because that's a pretty specific circumstance. But as you and I both know, suffering is suffering. And there are some principles that I think cross all trials. What would you, knowing what you know now, and you have been able to impact so many people, what would you go back and tell yourself? I think a couple of things that I would let myself know is this is going to be hard. And it's probably going to be a lot harder than you know, but you are strong enough. You do have what's in you to get through this. And you don't have to be perfect in the journey of it. You need to be able to let go of the things in your life that aren't the top priority. If kids end up not being able to go to piano lessons or do soccer, or if someone has to let go of something, that's okay. It's okay to not show up for a meeting or quit the book club because you really need to put yourself into the situation of making yourself a priority or the loved one that you're going, that you're with, they need to be a priority and and being able to help. So I think people need to be fully present in even those hard moments, which means let go of the other things and don't feel guilty about it. Don't feel guilty if you can't do the things that you were used to being able to do. Your time and your energy is needed to be able to help you or your loved one go through that in order to be able to come out better on the other end. I think the other thing I would tell myself is just to remember that no matter how hard circumstances get, you always have the choice to come out of it bitter or to come out of it better. A lot of people choose to be mad for what they're going through or ticked off at someone or blame someone or play the victim. The reality is that doesn't do anyone any good. It doesn't do you any good and it doesn't do any good for anyone around you. But if you try to find some purpose in it, if you try to look for those good things and find the positive, then you really can come out of it better. I have mentioned to you before a story from the 1800s that really kind of hit home with me and a man named Samuel Plimsoll. He worked in a shipping yard with boats and he would see these ships being loaded with cargo. And he watched over and over again as this cargo space would be filled with, you know, boxes and storage and grain and all of these different things. And he realized that what was happening is these ships were getting weighted down too much. He realized that there was a difference between storage capacity and weight. Just because there was a ship that had enough storage capacity to hold more didn't mean that it could hold more weight. And so when something heavy was put on the ship, he would realize that that was often endangering the people and the cargo on the ship. Because if they put too much weight in it, then it would sink. He mentioned this and he brought it up and actually was able to get the British Parliament to mandate a law where 
once a certain weight was hit on the ship, they stopped loading cargo in, even if it looked like there was more space. Now, what's the point of that? The point is that we don't always know the weight of the cargo that other people are carrying. To us, it may seem like their capacity is just fine and that things are okay. But without intentionally weighing and seeing what someone else is going through, we can't know. And the same goes for each of us. Some days, the weight of our own challenges is all that we can manage without going under. Other days, we can throw more boxes in and we can keep going and we can take the load off someone else. I was so used to being on the side of pitching in and helping carry someone else's load. I think I would tell myself to learn to let others help carry my load and to be okay with that and to be grateful that there were people who loved me enough to want to do that and to realize that I would again have opportunities to help shoulder the weight for someone else. But in the meantime, that it was okay to allow other people to carry some of that weight for me because that was what was keeping me afloat. Thank you for sharing so vulnerably. I appreciate that a lot. I think it helps other people not feel alone in their struggles. I think it's really powerful. She's quite a lady. Am I right? Thank you to Jody for being here as a friend and as someone that I look up to in my life. I'd love to be like Jody Brown when I grow up. Thank you again to this week's sponsor, Tony Overbay. He's doing amazing things, especially excited about this new course he has, Magnetic Marriage. Go check it out at his website. It is going to do incredible things for your marriage. I know Tony and I know the thought and the research that he puts into everything that he does. I know that you will not regret getting help from him in any way you can, whether it's listening to his podcast, The Virtual Couch, which is basically free therapy. He also has an incredible course for overcoming pornography and now this marriage course. He blows me away everything he does. Check him out at TonyOverbay.com. Podcast listeners, thank you for being here with me today. I especially want to thank people that have been leaving reviews, both for the ICU podcast and for my book that came out this last September, ICU, How Compassion and Connection Save Lives. It's just so humbling and amazing to hear stories of the one, of the one person it impacted. And I am grateful for that feedback that I receive. It helps keep me going. And it's a reminder to me of why I'm doing all this and why it's so important. And you know what? It even keeps me healthy, I think. It keeps me mentally in a good place to spread good. I think that's a common theme we see when we serve other people. It makes us happier and it reminds us of what's true. So if you have the opportunity to read the book and you can leave a review on Amazon if that's where you purchase it, I would be so appreciative. I can't have as much of a far reach all on my own, but if other people leave reviews, that helps with the algorithms and there's a better chance of of my message getting out there more. So whether it's leaving a review on my book on Amazon, leaving a review here on my podcast, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, I am so appreciative for the way that you're helping me further the work I am trying to do. I'm excited. We have three episodes left after this before season two is finished. We are going to have an incredible episode this next time with my friend and former NFL player, Matt Reynolds. I can't wait to have you hear his perspective about his mental health when he was under a lot of pressure as an incredible athlete and the world was watching and and how he was able to work through that. Podcast listeners, I love you. Thank you for being my friends. (laughs) We all need friends right now during this pandemic and always. I just, I am someone that loves and really thrives off connection. So I appreciate all of the friendships I've gained as I do this podcast. 
feel free to reach out to me about anything you have questions of or where you can get the book or anything like that. Just go to my website at julieleespeaks.com. My friends, thank you for being here. My name is Julie Lee and I see you 